Welcome to Storyteller Theater's Playcast series, a reimagined season of theatrically adapted classics in the time of COVID-19. Beginning October 12th through November 16th, we are proud and pleased to bring you Kenneth Graham's The Wind in the Willows. So sit back and let us take you to a time and place where life stands still and each day is filled with friendship and adventure. We hope you enjoy The Wind in the Willows, Part 2, The Wild Wood. Such a rich chapter of spring and summer it had been. Not just in the adventures of Toad in his motor car alone, no, but the languorous days when radiant transformations of the morn and midday fell upon them all. Often there were days of nothing but boating and bathing, rambles along dusty lanes and yellow cornfields, and at last, the long, cool evening surrounding the friends, and so many adventures planned for the morrow. Mole had long wanted to make the acquaintance of Badger since their first account on the river. He seemed, by all accounts, to be such an important person, and though rarely visible, often made his unseen influence felt by everybody about the place. But whenever the Mole mentioned his wish to the water rat, he always found himself put off. Not to worry. Badger will turn up some day or other. He's always turning up. And then I'll introduce you. Couldn't you ask him here at dinner or something? He wouldn't come. Badger hates society and invitations and dinner and, and all that sort of thing. Well then, supposing we go and call on him. Oh, oh, I'm not sure he would like that at all. No, no. Oh, well, he's he's very shy. He, he'd be sure to be offended. I've never even ventured to call on him at his own home myself, though I know him so well. And, and be, well, besides, we can't. No, it's quite out of the question, because... He lives in the very middle of the wild wood. That was all there was to it. Rat would simply never budge on the matter. The mole learned quickly that he just had to be at peace with this. However, he often wondered how lonely Badger must be out in the wild wood. No friends, no company. These thoughts especially bewitched the mole when spring and summer were long over, leaving a trail of frost and ice along the riverbank. How dreadful it must feel to be alone and in a hole. Oh, I know, I know, so it is, yeah. But, but I think we won't go there just now. Not just yet, it's, it's a long way. He'll be coming along someday if you'll wait quietly. There was plenty to talk about on those short winter days when the animals found themselves round the fire. Still, the mole had a good deal of spare time on his hands. And so one afternoon, when the rat was relaxing in his armchair before the blaze, dozing off intermittently, he formed the resolution to go out by himself and explore the wild wood. Perhaps while I'm there, I'll even come across the acquaintance of the old badger himself. Mole, it is quite a cold afternoon. It even looks like snow. That's what makes it all the more thrilling. I like the look of the country this way. In the fall, everything is dead. Dead, dead, all stripped of its finery. Not like leafy summers where everything is warm and, and 
Well, all of the leaves are best when they've been pushed away, which is why I will continue with great cheerfulness and spirit. You don't sound very certain. Correct. I mean, no, no, I'm, I'm certain. Onward to the wild wood. There was nothing to alarm him at first. Twigs crackled under his feet. Logs tripped him. Funguses on stumps resembled spooky shadows and startled him for the moment by their likeness to something familiar and far away. But that's all in good fun. Exciting, I say. He traveled to where the light was less and trees crouched nearer and nearer and holes made ugly mouths at him on either side. Everything was very still now. The dusk advanced on him steadily, gathering in behind and before, and the light seemed to be draining away like flood water. Then the faces began. What's that? Who's there? It was over his shoulder that he first thought he saw a face, a little evil wedge-shaped face looking out at him from a hole. When he turned and confronted it, the thing had vanished. Not so terrifying at all, are you? What am I saying? There's no such thing. There's, there's nothing terrifying because there is not any such thing. <laughs> he passed another hole. And another, and another, and then, yes! Not yes! A little narrow face with hard eyes had flashed up for an instant from a hole and was gone. He hesitated, braced himself up for an effort and strode on. Then, suddenly, and as if it had been so all the time, every hole, far and near, and there were hundreds of them, seemed to possess its face, coming and going rapidly, all fixing on him glances of malice and hatred, all hard-eyed and evil and sharp. If he could only get away from the holes in the bank, he thought, there would be no more faces. He swung off the path and plunged into the untrodden places of the wood. Then the whistling began. Now, don't you say whistling. Nothing good ever happens when there's whistling. Would you like to tell the story, or shall I? Well, all right then. You said the whistling began. Very faint and shrill it was, and far behind him when first he heard it. But somehow it made him hurry forward. Then... Still very faint and shrill, it sounded far ahead of him and made him hesitate and want to go back. As he halted in indecision, it broke out on either side and seemed to be caught up and passed on throughout the whole length of the wood to its farthest limit. They were up and alert and ready, evidently, whoever they were. And he, he was alone and unarmed and far from any help and the night was closing in then the pattering began pattering you've got to be kidding me didn't i just say you were alone yes but that's not true you were with me only as a figment of your imagination oh that's not much comfort Perhaps we can get you out of this mess. I, I don't see how, but please. 
He thought it was only falling leaves at first. Then as it grew, it took a regular rhythm, and he knew it for nothing else but the pat, pat, pat of little feet still a very long way off. Was it in front or behind? It seemed to be the first one, and then the other, then both. It grew and it multiplied, till from every quarter, as he listened anxiously, leaning this way and that, it seemed to be closing in on him. As he stood ever so still, a rabbit came running hard towards him through the trees. The whole world seemed running now, running hard, hunting, chasing, closing in round something or somebody. In panic, Mole began to run too aimlessly, he knew not whither. He ran up against things. He fell over things and into things, darted under things and dodged round things. At last, he took refuge in a deep, dark hollow of an old beech tree, which offered concealment, perhaps even safety. But who could tell? Anyhow, he was too tired to run any further and could only snuggle down into the dry leaves which had drifted into the hollow. I, I knew it! I've known it all along! At last, in all its fullness, that dread thing which other little dwellers have, have talked about. This is my darkest moment! Oh, that along with Ratty tried so hard to shield me from is the terror of the wild wood! Meantime, the rat. Warm and comfortable, dozed by his fireside, imagining that he was wandering by the banks of dream rivers. Then a cold slip. The fire crackled and sent up a spurt of flame, and he woke with a start. Looked round for the mole to ask him if he knew a good bribe for something or other, but the mole was not there. Uh, mole! Molly! Why, the mole's cap is gone. And his galoshes, they're, they're always by the umbrella stand, gone. The rat left the house and carefully examined the muddy surface of the ground outside, hoping to find the mole's trap. There they were, sure enough. He could see the imprints of the galoshes in the mud, running along and purposefully leading directly to the wild wood. Oh, Mole, whatever trouble have you gotten yourself into now? Oh! It, it was already getting towards dusk when he reached the first fringe of trees and plunged without hesitation into the wood, looking anxiously on either side for any sign of his friend. Here and there, wicked little faces popped out of holes but vanished immediately at sight of the valiant animal, his pistol, and the whistling pattering which he had heard plain entry died away and ceased, and all was very still. Molly! 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 Where are you? It's me! It's old rat! Ratty, is it really you? Where are you, fellow? Over here, in the hollow, this beech tree. Oh, Rat, I've been so frightened you can't imagine. 
Oh, oh I, I quite understand. You, oh, you shouldn't really have gone and done it, Mo. I did my best to keep you from it. We river bankers, we hardly ever come here by ourselves. If we have to come, we come in couples, at least, and, and then we're generally all right. But besides, there are a hundred things one has to know. We, we, we just, we, we can't understand all about it, and you don't as yet. Of course, if you were badger or otter, it would be quite another matter. Oh. Surely the brave Mr. Toad wouldn't mind coming here by himself, would he? Old Toad? He wouldn't show his face here alone. Not for a whole hat full of golden guineas, Toad wouldn't. What's up, Ratty? Oh, I'm afraid it's, it's beginning to snow. A fine powder filled the air and caressed the cheek with a tingle in its touch. And the black boles of the trees showed up in a light that seemed to come from below. Well, it can't be helped. Now we must make a start and take our chance, I suppose. Oh, the worst of it is, I, I don't exactly know where we are. Uh, and, and now this snow makes, makes everything look so very, so very different. Oh, I, uh... it, it indeed. The mole would not have known that it was the same wood. However, they set out bravely. An hour or two later, they had lost all count of time. They pulled up, dispirited, weary, and hopelessly at sea, and sat down on a fallen tree trunk to recover their breath and consider what was to be done. They were aching with fatigue and bruised with tumbles. They had fallen into several holes and got wet through. The snow was getting so deep that they could hardly drag their little legs through it. There seemed to be no end to this wood, no beginning and no difference in it. And worst of all, no way out. Well, well, we can't sit here very long. We, we shall have to make another push for it and do, and do something or other. The cold, the cold is too awful for anything, and, and the snow will soon be too deep for us to wade through. Oh. This, this is, this is what occurs to me. Now there's a sort of dell down, down here in front of us. We'll, we'll make our way down into that and, and, and try to find some sort of shelter out of the snow and the and the winds. Is, and, and, and there we'll have, have a good rest before we try again. Oh. For we're both, we're both of us, we're pretty dead beat. Oh. Oh. Oh, they got on their feet and struggled down into the dell, where they hunted about for a cave or some corner that was dry, a protection from the keen wind and the whirling snow. They were investigating when suddenly the mole tripped and fell forward uh, on his face squeal. My leg! Oh, my caution! You, you, don't, you don't seem to be having much luck today, do you? Oh, oh Lord. Oh, well, let's have a look at that leg. Oh, oh, oh yes, you've, you've cut your shin, sure enough. Oh, well, wait a moment. I'll, here, I'll tie it up for you with, with my handkerchief here. Hold on. I, I must have tripped over a hidden branch or a stump. Oh my! Oh my! Oh well, there, there, Nana. That, that, that was never done by a branch or a stump. That, that looks like a cut from something sharp. 
funny. Well, never mind. What's done it, it hurts just the same whatever done it. But the rat, after carefully tying up the leg with his handkerchief, had left him and was busy scraping in the snow. He scratched and shoveled and explored, all four legs working busily. Oh, come on, rat! Hooray! Hooray! <laughs> what have you found, Ratty? Oh, 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 come, come and see. <laughs> well, uh, I see it right enough. Seems the same sort of thing before, lots of times. Familiar object, I call it, a, a door scraper. Well, what of it? Why dance jigs around a door scraper? Oh, but, but don't, don't you see what it means, you, you, you dull-witted animal? Of course I see what it means. It simply means that someone very careless and, and forgetful person has left his door scraper lying about in the middle of the wide wood, just where it's sure to trip somebody up. Very thoughtless of him, I call it. When I get home, I shall go and, and complain about it to Somebody or other, see if I don't. Here, here now, stop arguing and come and scrape. Hurry. After some further toil, his efforts were rewarded, and a very shabby doormat lay exposed to view. There, there now, what did I tell you? Absolutely nothing whatsoever. Now you seem to have found another piece of trash. Oh done for and thrown away, and I suppose you're perfectly happy. Oh, Better go ahead and dance around a jig of it if you've got to, and give it over, and, and then perhaps we can go on and, and not waste any more time over rubbish heaps. What? Can we eat a doormat, or, or can we sleep under a doormat, or, or sit on a doormat and sled home, or with the snow over you exasperating rodent? Do you, do, do you mean to say? Do you mean to say that this doormat doesn't tell you anything? Whoever heard of a doormat telling anyone anything? What? They simply don't do it. They they aren't that sort of thing at all. Oh. Doormats know their place. Now look here, you, 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 thick-headed beast. You let out of this must stop. Now, not another oh. word, but scrape. Scrape and scratch and dig if you want to sleep dry and warm tonight. Oh. For this is our last chance for him's sake. My God. The rat attacked the snowbank beside them with fury. After some ten minutes hard work, and the point of the rat's shovel struck something that sounded hollow. He worked till he could get a paw through and feel, then called the mole to come and help him. In the side of what had seemed to be a snowbank stood a solid-looking little door, painted a dark green. An iron bell pull hung by the side, and below it, on a small brass plate, neatly engraved in square capital letters, they could read by the aid of moonlight, Mr. Badger. Now the very next time this happens, I shall be exceedingly angry. Who is it this time disturbing people on such a night and at this hour? Speak up! Oh, oh, Badger, let us in, please. It's me, Rat, 
and and my friend Mole and, yeah. and we've lost our way in the snow. Boy, ratty, my dear little man, come along in, both of you, at once. Why, you must be starving, lost in the snow and in the wild wood, too. And at this time of night, come in, come in. The two animals tumbled over each other in their eagerness to get inside and heard the door shut behind them with great joy and relief. This is not the sort of night for small animals to be out. I'm afraid you've been up to some of your pranks again, Ratty. Come along into the kitchen. There's a first-rate fire there and supper, too. Badger shuffled on in front of them, carrying the light, and they followed him down a long, gloomy, and to tell the truth, decidedly shabby passage into a sort of a central hall out of which they could dimly see other long, tunnel-like passages branching. Passages mysterious and without apparent end. There were doors in the hall as well. Stout, oaken, comfortable-looking doors. One of these the badger flung open, and at once they found themselves in all the glow and warmth of a large firelit kitchen. The badger thrust them down in chairs themselves at the fire and commanded them to remove their wet clothes and boots. Then he fetched them cozy pajamas and slippers, and himself bathed the mole shin with warm water and mended the cut with sticking plaster till the whole thing was just as good as new, if not better. Ah, oh yes, to, to be warm and dry at last. Oh. It seems as if the wild wood is far, far away, and it was all a half-forgotten dream. Eat, you yes. lot. A hearty pumpkin soup and freshly baked bread. Oh, oh, bother. My elbow's on the table. Excuse my manners. I never take any notice of societal things such as that. I don't expect it to even matter much. We know, of course, Mr. Badger is very wrong. Because these things do matter very much, though it would take entirely too long to explain. On with the story! Tell us what happened. Badger sat in his armchair at the head of the table and nodded gravely at intervals as the animals told their story. And he did not seem surprised or shocked at anything. And he never said, I told you so, or just what I always said, or remarked that they ought to have done so-and-so, or ought not to have done something else. The mole began to feel very friendly towards him. It sounds as if the entire night was quite the ordeal. Never mind that. You're here, you're safe, and that's that. Now then, tell us the news from down by the river. How's old Toad getting on? Oh, from bad to worse. Another smash-up only last week, and a bad one. You see, he will insist on driving himself, and he's hopelessly incapable. If, if he'd only employ a decent, steady, well-trained animal, pay him good wages, and, and leave everything to him, well, he'd get on all right. But no, 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 he's, he's convinced. He's a heaven-born driver, and nobody can teach him anything. How many <laughs> has he had? Smashes or machines. <laughs> oh, well, after all, it's the same thing with Toad. As for the others, you know, that, that coach house of his? Well, it's piled up. Literally piled up to the roof with fragments of motor cars. Mm -hmm. None of them bigger than your hat. <laughs> well, that accounts for the other six, so far as they can be accounted for. He's been in hospital three times. And as for the fines he's had to pay, it's simply awful to think of. Yes, 
And that's part of the trouble. Toad's rich. We all know that. But, but he's not a millionaire. And he's, and he's a hopelessly bad driver. And, quite regardless of law and order, killed or ruined. It's got to be one of, one of those two things sooner or later. Badger, now, now we're his friends. Oughtn't we to do something? Very well then, but when the year has really turned and the nights are shorter, well, you know. They knew. No animal, according to the rules of animal etiquette, is ever expected to do anything strenuous or heroic or even moderately active during the off-season of winter. All are sleepy. Some actually asleep. All are weather-bound, more or less, and all are resting from long and slow days and nights. Well then, we, that is, you and me, and our friend the Mole here, we'll take Toad seriously in hand. We'll stand no nonsense whatever. We'll bring him back to reason, by force if need be. We'll make yes. him be a sensible Toad. We'll cure a sleep, rat. <laughs> what? Uh, uh, <clears throat> no, no, not not me. Oh, he's been asleep uh, two or three times since supper. Oh. Well, it's no. time we were all in bed. Come along, you two, and I'll show you to your quarters. And take your time tomorrow morning. Breakfast at any hour you please. Badger led the two animals to a long room. It seemed half bedroom and half loft. Two little white beds on the remainder of the floor looked soft and inviting, and the linen on them, though coarse, was clean and smelt beautifully of lavender, and the mole and the water rat tumbled in between the sheets in great joy and contentment. The two tired animals came down to breakfast very late next morning and found a bright fire burning in the kitchen and two young hedgehogs sitting on a bench at the table eating oatmeal porridge out of wooden bowls. The hedgehogs dropped their spoons, rose to their feet and ducked their heads respectfully as the two entered. There, there, now, sit, sit down, sit down and go on with your porridge. Where have you youngsters come from? Lost your way in the snow, I suppose? Main little Billy here. We was trying to find our way to school. Mother would have us go. And of course we lost ourselves, sir, and Billy, he got frightened to cry, being young and faint-hearted, and at last we happened against Mr. Badger's back door, and made so bold as to knock, sir, for Mr. Badger. He's a kind-hearted gentleman, as everyone knows. I, I, I understand, yes. Now, um, what's the weather like outside? And you needn't sir me quite so much. Oh, terrible bad, sir. Terrible deep the snow is. No getting out for the likes of you gentlemen today. Oh, where's Mr. Badger? The master's gone into his study, sir, and he said he was going to be particularly busy this morning, and on no account was he to be disturbed. Oh. The animals well knew that Badger, having eaten a hearty breakfast, had retired to his study and settled himself in an armchair with his legs up on another and a red cotton handkerchief over his face and was busy being busy in the usual way at this time of the year. Seems as if someone might be at the door. Thought I should find you here. Everyone along the riverbank was all in a tizzy when I arrived this morning. 
Rat never been home all night, nor mole either. Something dreadful must have happened, they said. And the snow had covered up all your tracks, of course. But I knew that when people were in any fix, they mostly went to Badger. Or else Badger got to know of it somehow. So I came straight off here through the wild wood and the snow. About halfway across, I came on a rabbit sitting on a stump, cleaning his silly face with his paws. He was a pretty scared animal when I crept up behind him and played a heavy forepaw on his shoulder. I had to cuff his head once or twice to get any sense out of it at all. At last, I managed to extract from him that Mole had been seen in the wildwood last night by one of them. It was the talk of the burrows, he said. How Mole, Mr. Rat's particular friend, was in a bad fix. How he'd lost his way and they were up and out hunting and were shivvying him around and round. Then why didn't any of you do something, I asked. You mayn't be blessed with brains, but there are hundreds and hundreds of your big stout fellows as fat as butter and, and, and your burrows running in all directions and you could have taken him in and made him safe and comfortable or tried to at all events. What? Us? He merely said. Do something? Us rabbits? So I cuffed him again and left him. There was nothing else to be done. Weren't you at all nervous? Nervous? I'd give them nerves if any of them tried anything on with me. Here, Mole, fry me some slices of ham like the good little chap you are. I'm frightfully hungry and I've got any of Mount to say to Ratty here. So the good-natured Mole, having cut some slices of ham, set the hedgehog to fry it and returned to his own breakfast, while the otter and the rat, their heads together, eagerly talked river shop, which is long shop and talk that is endless, running on like the babbling river itself. A plate of fried ham had just been cleared and sent back for more, when the badger entered, yawning and rubbing his eyes, and greeted them all in his quiet, simple way, with kind inquiries for every one. It must be getting on for luncheon time. Better stop and have it with us. You must be hungry this cold morning. The sight of these greedy young hedgehogs stuffing themselves with fried ham makes me feel positively famished. Here, you two youngsters, be off home to your mother. I'll send someone with you to show you the way. You won't want any dinner with that sort of stomach. He gave them six cents apiece and a pat on the head, and they went off with much respectful swinging of caps and grateful smiles. Presently, they all sat down to luncheon together. The mole found himself placed at the Mr. Badger, and as the other two were still deep in river gossip from which nothing could divert them, he took the opportunity to tell Badger how comfortable and homelike it all felt to him. Once you're well underground, you know exactly where you are. Nothing can happen to you, and nothing can get at you. You're entirely your own master, and you don't have to consult anybody or mind what they say. Things go on all the same overhead, and you let him and don't bother about him. When you want to, up you go, and there the things are, waiting for you. That's exactly what I say. There's no security or peace and tranquility except underground. And then, if your ideas get larger and you want to expand, why dig and scrape and there you are. Uh, if you feel 
Still, your house is a bit too big. You stop up a hole or two, and there you are again. No builders, no tradesmen, no remarks passed on, on you by fellows looking over your wall. A and above all, no weather. Look at Rat now. A couple of feet of flood water, and he's got to move into hired lodgings. Uncomfortable, inconveniently situated, and horribly expensive. Take Toad. I say nothing against Toad Hall. Quite the best house in these parts, as a house. But supposing a fire breaks out, where's Toad? Supposing tiles are blown off, or walls sink, or crack, or windows get broken, where's Toad? Supposing the rooms are drafty. I hate a draft myself. Where's Toad? No, up and out of doors is good enough to roam about and get one's living in. Underground to come back to at last. That's my idea of home. Oh, I heartily agree. You know, little mole, I'm very fond of you. Oh, I'm very fond of you as well, Mr. Badger. Come along, mole. We must get off while it's daylight. Don't, don't want to spend another night in the wild wood again. It'll be all right, my fine fellow. I'm coming along with you, and I know every path blindfolded. And if there's a head that needs to be punched, you can confidently rely on me to punch it. You punch really it. needn't fret, Ratty. My passages run further than you think, and I bolt holes to the edge of the woods in several directions, so I don't care for everybody to know about them. When you really have to go, you shall leave by one of my shortcuts. Meantime, make yourself easy. And sit down again. No, 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 no. We, we, we have to get going today. The river. Oh, all right, you unshakable man. Follow me out. This way. Badger, taking up his lantern again, led the way along a damp and airless tunnel that wound and dipped for a weary distance that seemed to be miles. At last, daylight began to show itself confusedly through tangled growth overhanging the mouth of the passage, and the badger, bidding them a hasty goodbye, pushed them hurriedly through the opening, made everything look as natural as possible again, brushwood and dead leaves. Wait! Oh, Mr. Badger! Now, now, I'm certain we shall see each other again, very soon. Thank you. Go, go on. I don't need anyone else in the wild wood knowing where I live. They turned and made swiftly for home for firelight and the familiar things it played on for the voice sounding cheerily outside their window of the river that they knew and trusted in all its moods that never made them afraid with any amaze. As he hurried along, eagerly anticipating the moment when he would be at home again among the things he knew and liked, the mole stalk clearly that he was an animal of chilled field and hedgerow, linked to the ploughed furrow, the frequented pasture, the lane of evening lingering, the cultivated garden plot, for others the asperity, the stubborn endurance, or the clash of actual conflict that went with nature in the rough. He must be wise, which his lines were laid and which held adventure enough in their way, to last for a lifetime.
What a perfect episode as we approach the Halloween season. What sort of sounds did you hear? Did you think Mole would ever make it out? How about Mr. Badger? He sure does have a cozy home. What do you think it would be like to live in an underground house like Mole and Badger? We would love to hear your thoughts. What was your favorite part? Which character do you enjoy listening to the most? You can email us at storytellertheaterartsco at gmail.com or write us a review through our Facebook at Storyteller Theater Arts Co. and tell us all about it. If you enjoyed this episode, please tune into the next section, Part 3, Wayfarers All and Piper's Gates at Dawn, next Monday, October 26th. See you then!